0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring
1: professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Dr. Letchford.
0: Hey.
1: How do you use your difference to make a difference?
0: Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> so... What makes me different is my extraordinary capacity to feel and to no longer ignore my body. And so that might look weird to people that might be outside the realm of what they're comfortable with. But what I've noticed is as soon as I got courageous enough to really be myself, it inspired other people and they started moving and they started healing and they started meeting themselves anew. And so The way that I'm different, the way that I may have been ostracized or called weird now is actually the goal, the inspiration. And so I just invite anybody who feels like they're the black sheep or they're the weirdo or they're doing things that are so strange, like work on the part of you to feel safe enough to let go and just trust your Mm -hmm. what you see and who you are. And. You'll be surprised. It's not going to be easy. I promise you. You know, I went through a lot of suffering. I'm just like, fuck, everyone thinks I'm so weird. And now I'm now, you know, the story is not that. I mean, maybe some people think I'm weird, but that's great. I'm like, yeah, yeah. These people used to think I'm weird too, but now they're trying to be weirder.
1: How you day? How you day? That was the voice of Dr. Liz Letchford. Now, have you ever thought about the possibility of bridging intuition and science together. Have you ever thought much about the movement of your body and how that's connected to your mind and your nervous system? I'm willing to bet the most of you haven't, but what if I told you that focusing on health and movement through emotional wellness, combining science and intuition is a better way for you to understand your physical, mental, and emotional health. Intrigued yet? Well, even if you're not intrigued and you're still a skeptic, I encourage you to listen to today's episode. Liz is such an interesting person. She has her own unique journey of getting to a space where she has cultivated what she calls the buddy church. And it's one that is not only a movement, but is a practice. And you know, we we dove into several rabbit holes, as all my podcast interviews usually are. And I really enjoyed what she ended up leaving us with a lot of the programming that we've adopted, promoted and perpetuated have a lot to do with what we've accepted. And so I hope that you come to this interview with an open mind and that you come up with different ways for you to reflect on your legacy and your potential. Enjoy the episode. Welcome everyone to another episode of as told by nomads. And today's guest is Dr. Liz Letchford. Now, she holds a PhD in kinesiology and rehabilitation science and has a unique approach that blends scientific knowledge with intuitive practices. She's not just a clinician and a researcher, but also a mentor, a coach, and an artist deeply invented. invented, Look at Tayo, invested rather (laughs) in the transformative power of movement. Her work emphasizes the impact of relationships with our nervous systems, guiding individuals towards holistic wellness. And I'm excited to dive into a conversation about the body, mind, and the subtle art of healing. Welcome to the show.
0: Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> the,
1: the The pleasure is mine. I, um, in the Before I hit record, I was telling you that I was pretty excited about this because one of the things I've been studying myself this year has been that uh, connection with the body, mind, and, and I, I always say soul, for me and uh, you know i've been writing stuff on like it and my journey to that has been my personal anxiety i have a generalized anxiety disorder and i do a lot of things like you i'm you know professor speaker writer and mm-hmm. researcher and sometimes i notice that when my mind is in overdrive it has played a role in my body it shuts down usually around this time of the year and it's done so for the last three years especially since the pandemic and i really wanted to fix that so with you, I'm very interested in knowing what inspired you to pursue a career in sports medicine and kinesiology, and how that led to your current work.
0: Yeah, well, first, I just want to thank you for sharing vulnerably about your anxiety. And can I can I just offer something that came to mind really quickly about that? Of course. I'm sure there's someone listening who's like, Oh, yeah, me too. I also shut down this time of year. So the time of year that we're recording this is December, it's the winter. Mm -hmm. And just like everything just like animals, just like the plants, they're desiring to go into a hibernation. So I actually just want to give you permission to not have to fix anything and just let your body rest like the anxieties from your body and your mind fighting each other. And so (laughs) And so that's actually one of the things that leads me to the question that you have is like, why sports medicine? Why did you why did you want to pursue going out and and, and studying medicine in, at all? And it came from noticing people who were um in pain myself who's in pain, my family who is super medicated, you know, you know overweight, in, in pain and just like being like, I don't, why are we perpetuating this? And so, um, I thought about being a physical therapist and I didn't want to, I didn't want to stay in a clinic all day. And so mm. I decided to be an athletic trainer. So I got to be like outside with sports teams, with the community. I got to be and travel with a sports team and get to know them and get to know their person, the athlete's personalities and the rest of their, Life. I mean, it's not just a one hour appointment, you come and see me, I'm traveling with the team. Uh And so that, that gave me such an interesting perspective, because I would get to know these athletes really well. And then they would get injured, and I would know what was going on in their life. And what they teach us in school is Mm. not hey take a look at the correlation between what is going on in their emotional life and their injuries it's just like oh well they must have had a biomechanical thing it must have been a physiological disorder it must have been no there's the emotional body and the physical body are so interconnected and so that's kind of where I started to take off where I I honored and respected everything that I had studied. I have a PhD in kinesiology. So it's like the study of human movement and biomechanics. And um, and I, I feel like I've learned everything that I need to learn when it comes to looking at the body and picking it apart. I've taken so many cadaver anatomy classes and now the new frontier is actually the emotional anatomy of the body and how our emotions, our energy in motion starts to impact our systems. And so what I've noticed is people get injured when they're in times of stress. People get uh, people get um, any sort of illness manifestation when they're undergoing a trauma, replaying a trauma, meeting a person or a situation or an event that reminds them of something that they went through when they were younger that was really scary. And so right now I'm really just observing that and putting the pieces together.
1: I love that so much, especially because you, you know, you observed your environment, you decided to uh, build on that. You say you study human movement. I study human behavior for a living. And mm. I, the the more I've been working on this, like, you know, I was telling you earlier, I'm working on on a book right now. It, it's really about understanding a lot of what you're saying, the, the physical, mental, and emotional wellness. And uh, listening to you talk, it's so interesting how we often take for granted the interconnectedness that we have to many things, you know, maybe it's because of old ways of doing things, you know, I can speak as, a, as an athlete, former athlete, and, you know, from the old patriarchal way of viewing it, we were taught not to talk about our pain, suck it up, don't do that, and if you embrace your your emotions, you might be seen as soft, or it's a way that your opponent can look at you in, in a, as a weak way, but now you're mm-hmm. seeing this wave of athletes talk about the mental health, and then you're adding these idea of flexibility and emotional wellness, and people talking about that. And I'm imagining the audience here in human movement, human behavior, physical, mental, emotional wellness. I wonder if you could expand on how these elements are interconnected in your practice.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah. So uh, as an athlete, you know the feeling of flow state. Right? Of
1: course. You can't so, miss. <laughs> no, you're
0: just like, I time slows down. Yeah. And you know exact your body knows exactly what position to be in. It's like something else has taken over your system and you're observing yourself moving and you're so present. Well, that's the goal at all times. So we have the potential to be in flow state at all times. And the only thing that takes us out of flow state is either being in a reactive response where you're triggered from something in the past (laughs) or
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think you did a thumbs down by the way for the audience you did a thumbs down and the zoom just went and created a thumbs down (laughs) emoticon but you were saying yeah yeah
0: so (laughs) what
1: that is so So, funny
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh. oh gosh um technology has a mind of its own. Um, So yeah, so flow state, you're super present. The only thing that takes you out of flow state is if you are existing mentally or physically in the past, or you have anxiety about the future. So flow state is my mind, body and soul are in the present moment. And I mean, mind, body and soul. Your soul's always in the present moment, but mind and body in the present moment. We can be, if we worry about, if we think about, oh my gosh, this one thing that happened to me, our mind is in the past and then our body follows. Mm-hmm. If we're worried about, oh my gosh, I really hope that I get this job. I, I hope that I impress my coach. I hope that I we are worried about the future and our body is going to be in a very stressful state. You can feel it. You've got heart rate increases. Your breath gets more shallow. You have, you're in a more uh, sympathetic dominant state. So you're not in rest and digest you're in freak out. (laughs) And so flow state is, is a common term, probably the most common term for the place that I try to get people back to as often as possible And so we have all of the modalities for getting our mind, observing our mind when it's in the past or catching our mind when we're worried about the future and bring our mind back. But where we haven't yet had a lot of um, uh, general practices that are common is how do we do that for the body though? How do I bring my body back from uh, replaying, reacting, literally re- acting out a past trauma however small i use trauma as a very general term so it's like you know daddy said something mean to me when i was 4 and now i'm now i'm someone said that same thing and now i'm super triggered mm-hmm. and and um and then in the future it's anxiety so my goal is to help people through bringing awareness to their physical body through that, the the brain starts to tell stories. For example, I'm sure at some point you had tight shoulders.
1: Oh, that's where I feel it. It's almost <laughs> like you're reading my mind. And it's always my shoulders.
0: <laughs> right. And so you have super tight shoulders every once in a while, and you can make a story about that oh, it's because I, you know, did too many overhead presses or it's because that's just what happens. Everyone's shoulders get tighter. We have all these stories in our mind about what that might be, but the body's sitting there saying, yo, I'm tight because I'm trying to get your attention to actually listen to what this story is. And the story is going to be much more nuanced than what our brain can even imagine. So I did this myself and this is what I guide people through where if you just let get your brain to focus on the present moment, which is the easiest thing to do is your breath. So you breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. That's all your mind has to focus on. So now it's not sitting there creating all these ridiculous stories that may or may not be true. And then you listen to your body and say, Hey body, listen, the mind is on its own thing. It's not watching like, Like, what? Tell me what's going on. Tell me, body, what is it really? Because you know the truth. The mind is going to make up stuff, but you know the truth. And so that's the practice that I get people into. It's a state, uh, it's a mental state that allows the body to unwind.
1: Yeah. That's beautiful. I it's it's uh when you brought the show that I was having all these flashbacks because I one of the things I work with my therapist on is, it I really just have to learn how to listen to my body and I'm one of those you know recovering workaholics if you will and perfectionists So if you if you put that intersection of workaholic perfectionism and I, my job, is to fix, yeah right, yeah. toxic work environments right. So I'm in social justice, DEI, all those things, and I'm constantly thrust into the middle of a chaos where I'm, people bring me on. The CEO said this, The blah, 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 blah. we don't feel compensated enough. It's always in constant fight or, and not necessarily the flight. I'm just in that fight, 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 fight mode. And I'm not even freezing. It's mm-hmm. my anxiety just speeds. And so maybe it's 11 PM and I have insomnia. I'm not sleeping. I'm thinking about how to solve all those things. Then it's 6 AM. Then the day gets started. Oh, but I have to hit the gym. Oh, but out of that. It's just, just going forever. And the body has been telling me for a while, I need rest. I need rest. You know. And then the mind starts to feel a little depressed because of the anxiety. And you're like, where did this come from? But you never listen to the body. And then the mind starts saying, this always happens. You are yeah. not as good as you were. <laughs> and it just keeps going in that cycle. But it's always been there is what you're saying. You just have to learn how to listen to it.
0: Yeah and if we start so that cycle I have been there most yeah. people are there we have we are bathed in a culture that's like if you rest you're lazy and so that is a story. Those are the stories I'm talking about. That's not yeah. true. Mm-hmm. You know, you you watch a bear hibernating. You're not like lazy bear. Why don't you get a job, you know? But <laughs> And so, you know, obviously bears don't live in an in industrial society. They're like, but it, it's, our, it's in our nature to rest. It's in our nature to have cycles. You watch our physiology. You watch every day. Men actually have a 24 hour cycle where women have a monthly cycle that's more prominent. I mean, we mm. also have daily cycles You also have monthly cycles, but we live, our physiology is cyclical. However, we are trying, our brain is overriding our physiology and our body's desires by saying, no, 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 but in order to avoid shame and avoid embarrassment, I must perform at all costs at a high level. And we don't let ourselves rest because of these stories we've told ourselves about this desire that our body has. And that can go on so many categories. We talk about pleasure. We talk about rest. We talk about strength. Some people are afraid to be strong because of what stories they've been told about what it's like to fight. You know, like, I don't want to be a fighter. I want to be soft. I want to be weak. And so we have all of these stories in every category of every physiological process. And we're fighting our bodies every day. It's no wonder that most of us have anxiety disorders or depression or whatever kind of mental health diagnosis. If we really look at it, it's the body trying to complete something, complete a trauma and get you back to harmony. In oh. in physiology, we call it homeostasis. It's the body's set point. And for, for most people that set points really high, like a machine that, you know, when your computer's like doing the fan thing, like that's most of our bodies, it's like, you know, I'm really (laughs) trying to keep up. And so if we can restore, you know, unplug, close some windows in our body, feel safe enough, first of all, to close those windows. And that is going to, involve slowly closing them one at a time. Look, you don't need Safari open. Just you see, do you see? Do, it's safe. It's all see nothing. You didn't die. And then you're like, let's close Spotify. Okay. Yep. Yeah, uh-huh, yep. Yeah, see, it's safe. <laughs> so we're not just turning the computer off. That's, that would be terrifying. Like, but I, well, I lost all my... I lost all my work, <laughs> and so we're just slowly closing the programs one at a time. So that's that's what I created. I created a safe place to do that. I call it Body Church. Body Church, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Talk to
1: me. Take us. You know, preach the gospel. I, I want to know. <laughs> Listen. What do what people
0: <laughs> <laughs> So in
1: this church of the body, tell me Yay. more. Yay. <laughs> well, I know that I saw that I did some research on it, but um. I'm, you know, obviously, at this point in the interview, people are probably doing what you're probably telling them not to do. They're googling you and doing all these things. <laughs> They're inevitably going to come across a Body Church. So, how does it work? Is it you know a cyclical, a part of the year, is on demand? What are the words? yeah?
0: So we have weekly classes, uh, and it's the main signature class, the Body Church class. And it's more of an experience or a ceremony, whatever you want to call it. You show up and I teach you this breath practice that I created. Um, It kind of hack, it's a physiology hack to keep your mind in the present moment while you unwind at your nervous system's pace. By unwind, I mean your fascia is connected in spiral lines. So there's these like cricks and pops and like self-adjustments that will happen. There's shaking, there's emotional release. There might be rest for you. You might come and you might be like, Oh, when I tap into my body's wisdom, I'm laying on the floor for an hour. Thanks, Liz. (laughs) Uh, And so I teach you to listen to your body and give your body what it needs in the moment. I don't teach you any movements. There might be some movements I tune your body to, meaning like there's certain body positions that generate a physiological response. We've seen research on that. Some research has debugged it. Some research has proven it right now. From anecdotal evidence, I've been able to see there is a, when we bring in the archetypal expression, right? If I say like, be in your biggest power, like what would your body do? Like be your most powerful self. You kind of sit up a little straighter. Your shoulders go back. So there's a physiological imprint of these archetypal expressions. So I take you through a whole experience where you're meeting these different archetypes. Now I lead the whole thing in improv spoken word poetry. And so it is this flow, it is a flow and I love it. And so that's where my artistry comes online. And here's where the artistry and the physiology meet. Mm. So the thing about poetry, is it gets your brain into a state of presence and flow because you're waiting to hear the next word. So there's certain cadences that allow us to stay present. Because if I was just like, all right, now be in your dominant power, your brain would go power, associate word association. I'm right. afraid, fear. That one time my dad hit me. Oh my God, power. I'm afraid of power. But instead I'm sitting here like, Listen to your power. It's just like the flowers, they're blooming. So give yourself room and we're gonna tune in and we're gonna use what you, you know. So and so I can just go on forever and it's oh, it's a sing songy and your brain yeah. is like, oh yeah. And so that's body
1: church. I love it. Uh so you might not notice i'm a spoken word artist and a poet and i
0: saw that oh you did
1: podcast. there is a flow <laughs> because even even because what you were saying because i have a different mindset when i speak right i have your know, are a sure, public speaker is different. yeah or so different and i teach public speaking but when i mean when i'm being a poet mm. it, it is the most vulnerable uh I am um, period in any of my artistic form and it's like trying to say a few things with a rhythm and a cadence and mm. just get in the state of mind and what you're saying is the flow and I had not made that connection <laughs> to <laughs> what you said but it's so true this is just a state of mind that you, you, that in, that you can relate to that huh okay and f- for the website that if they wanted to reach out to you what would be the website for that?
0: Uh, bodychurch.com. And if you want to learn more about me, it's lizletchford.com, but go to bodychurch.com. You'll get to learn about it. Come, please join a class. If you want your first class free use code, Dr. Liz, I'd love to have you there.
1: Okay. All right. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. Now I want to get into your story a little bit. You, you talked about the journey to get in here and and what you've studied, but what are the moments in your life where you broke down and you really felt like, Oh my gosh. I need to change. And, and even as you were figuring those parts out, did you come across any obstacles that you had to dig deeper into yourself to carve out this, uh, this niche? Because body church, science and intuition, I can imagine you had pushback because <laughs> it's not conventional.
0: Yeah. Oh, Oh my gosh. Totally. It's funny. It's like, I don't care. This works. I don't <laughs> care. I don't care. What I think. <laughs> Please come. If you don't like it, go away. Um, uh, so Oh my gosh. Yeah. So my whole life, I hated my legs. Actually, I had, I had, I was really self conscious, really insecure. My legs were painful, they were swollen. And so, very, quite literally, every single day, there would be intrusive thoughts that would come into my brain about my physical appearance the function of my legs their inability to build strength so every single day the amount of mental energy that was being wasted on my legs was devastating it was it took up so much energy in my life and it was I didn't know what was going on I was like can I just like here's a cool fact go to the leg shop and get new legs. Like at one point I was like, I just, I'm going to chop myself off from the waist down. And that actually made me feel so liberated. And I was like, all right, Liz, that that's really intense. So uh, let's get help. And so I started working with a somatic therapist who practiced internal family systems, which is a system of um, somatic and mental awareness that helps you speak the parts of your body. They use the language parts. They're like these different characters and archetypal expressions that live inside of us. Usually from fractured moments of our life. You know, you got spanked when you were five. There's a five-year-old part of you that's afraid of power and dominance, okay? So, and that part of you has a voice and has something to say. And so I went into just the... Just no, without any story, I went into, hey, my intention here is to just figure out what is going on with my legs. I just hate them so much that it makes no sense. Why do I hate my legs so much? So Mm -hmm. when we went in, I started breathing in and I didn't really have a voice yet. My legs didn't have any words to say. They just wanted to kick and when they finally were able to kick, I was doing this physical motion, intense kicking and shaking and kicking and shaking. I finally said, get off. And I was like, whoa, okay. Um, that's a body memory that I have no mental memory of wanting to kick someone off of me. Uh, now I'm creating story. What the heck happened? <laughs> and so I, it felt because I had no physical memory of it, It felt pre-verbal, felt like before I was able to speak. And so I called my mom and I said, hey, uh, (laughs) did anything traumatic happen when I was a baby? She knew right away. I was like, ma, why didn't you tell me? She was like, yeah, when you were six months old, you used to hold your breath. When you were upset, turn blue and pass out. Mm. So my little baby self had such a sensitive nervous system that I couldn't handle being upset that I would hold my breath, right? And then pass out. I couldn't inhale. I couldn't breathe. And so my mom, you know, she's 21 when she had me she's like, what is happening? I don't know. I haven't lived enough life to know what to do. You're going to the hospital. So she took me to the hospital And so scared, so scary. The doctor, you know, trusted the doctors and the doctors were like, we have to test for meningitis. She has symptoms of passing out. And so- that test is a spinal tap. So at six months old, they put my little baby body, knees to my forehead, bent me forward, rounded my spine, stuck a needle in my back. My parents are nowhere to be found. I can assume that I'm screaming and, and my little baby can't say, get off, because I don't have that tongue development yet. But my body is saying, get get off right now. Please let me go. This I don't like this. And I got stuck in that position. My body said, being in that, and that, so that fractured a part of me, that part of me never got to be completed, never got to feel safe. So my whole life, my pupils were huge. I couldn't squat. I couldn't put my knees to my forehead without having a panic attack. My Mm. body literally felt this position is terror. This position is terror. And I was like, that makes no sense. (laughs) I'm like, I have no memory of what happened. So once I unwound that, once I finally completed the, for 34 years, I have been waiting to complete this, get off and the way in through my legs. So my legs were screaming at me, taking up so much space because they knew if you just listen to our story you'll your gifts will come online your awareness will come online and so this was just two years ago so over the past two years i'm now able to put my forehead to my knees i'm able i've lost weight in my legs they're no longer painful they're no longer swollen um i can get into squat positions that i never was able to get into without deep like my heart rate rising and having like a, a trauma response that i would just pretend wasn't happening um And my gifts came online, meaning I'm able to sense things that I wasn't able to sense before. You know, when you like have empathy for someone and you kind of, kind of feel their emotions, that's like turned up, the dial is turned up on a hundred for me. And Mm so, and then my poetry, my freestyle poetry came online. So that all happens because of flow state. And so the lesson here. And what I had to, and then I went on this long journey to eventually uncover the practice that helped me unwind myself further, which is the Spirokinetics practice. That's the heart of Body Church. But the lesson here is, whatever you're obsessed with, we shame ourselves. Uh, you know, every all the advice that I received was stop, your body's beautiful. Don't don't. stop doing that. Stop saying that. Why don't you say positive things instead? But it didn't matter. I actually needed to go back into the pain. I needed to fully express, I hate my legs to actually listen closely because underneath I hate my legs was get off. And I didn't know my brain couldn't have ever imagined that because I have no mental image because I was pre-verbal. My, my memories weren't being formed at that time, but my body remembered. And so Body Church is a place for you to safely, slowly start to take every layer of resistance away until your body can remember and The end goal of that people at Body Church are like, I feel free. I'm no longer reactive. My relationships are better. Your whole life changed. Your whole life, you are present for everything. (laughs) And so it's so, it's just, it's been such a beautiful experience to have gone through that and then lead other people like, hey, here's what I did. I have some knowledge. I have the experience, like, don't do what I do, but I want to teach you how to listen to your body.
1: <laughs> the body keeps score. Uh, yes, over here. Yes. And Body's wisdom from what, you, from what you're saying. Um, and another thing, you can cuss if you want. <laughs> oh, thanks. I, you noticed you
0: were talking, like, <laughs> I was like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> you can absolutely cuss.
1: Um, <laughs> thank you for sharing that, that that's uh it's a beautiful transformative story and even those two words i mean you were saying the body has wisdom and thinking of how the body keeps quiet i just wonder how many people don't realize how many traumatic things happen to them and how many parents probably don't even have the language to recognize what was happening to their kids could be translated as trauma right. and and that, but but now you I, I'm i'm curious about your thoughts on beauty standards Specifically with women, right? We're in an increasingly visual, virtual world. And yeah. I know when I was younger, it was slim
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh women, then it became curves. And I've heard it's going back. I don't know, it's like back and forth, but <laughs> <laughs> it it affects how women see themselves. But I'm curious, do you see that too? Or is it just me just you know oh servers in there yeah
0: that is huge that's a huge part of it and that is a story that mm-hmm. is a story told by marketing or men's strange stories themselves where it's like this is what we find attractive because of We really like small women who are undernourished because then they're not powerful. They're not nourished. And so we're really attracted to that because our patriarchal stories that have been injected into our brain have convinced us that we want weak women. Fuck that.
1: There you go. Yes, yes.
0: (laughs) That's all. Yeah. <laughs> no
1: that is so powerful and the story and then uh, you know uh, and then you know the shift is the same sort of thing. i think it's interesting you bring up the male gaze it's mm-hmm. it informs so many things right the marketing the decisions the positioning the power dynamics and what we tell young men and women and how we translate stories based on appearance and, you know all that kind of stuff but uh if if they attended a service in your body church it sounds like they'll be able to recognize some of those stories that they can own themselves and just yeah well if yeah. they're
0: courageous enough to you know and it's and there's no judgment at body church the pe- the things people are sharing vulnerably it's a gift it's medicine we are each other's mirrors so when one person goes through something and shares it other people receive it but what we <laughs> it, it's a complicated layered subject. And what I would like to see from having unwound and watched as hundreds of people, men, women, people who are, don't identify as any particular gender people, mm-hmm. as they unwind this very story, you know, it's rooted in the, the patriarchy, whatever you want to call it, patriarchy.
1: All right.
0: Um. The, the general concept is men. And I feel so, I feel so bad for everyone involved in this system because men have to know what to do. Men have to hold men have to be providers. Men have to do everything possible in order to be, uh, to know exactly what to do at all times. We got to hold everything. Right. And the women are like, I'm only safe if a man chooses me because We've only—I mean, women have only been able to open a bank account without a husband. It's 1970. Give me, mm. give me a break. And so that there, are, hello, like m- many of us were born in the 1970s, and so there's this residual effect of men need women in order to survive. So it's a root experience. It's a survival experience. And when we are in a state of I have to survive. We are not thinking about like, how can I be a better person? How can I be more conscious and expanded? We are just trying to survive. And so we're vying for others against other sisters, for the the man who can provide. The men are sitting here like, I need to be able to provide. That is all a story. So if you are privileged enough to not be in survival mode, you can start to unwind those stories. We can honor our relatives, our ancestors, people who are still in literal survival we can honor them. But if you are privileged enough to, to actually not have to put on a show and do exactly as a woman, do exactly what the men want, look exactly how the men want you to look, why are you still doing that? That's an old story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so what your soul really wants from you is to listen and be who you are. Let your artistry come through. Be in your magnetism and your power. Stop regurgitating what someone else is saying because then we just have a bunch of robots. What's the difference between you and AI? You've been programmed by a system. And so if we really want to express ourselves, to listen, to feel empowered, to feel beautiful, to feel valuable, we have to change our set of what we value. And when we value being women, as, as cisgendered straight women, if we value being accepted by a man at all, if that is our value, if that is how we define ourselves, our entire life is going to look like that. And it's that's not our iner- inherent value. Our value is our wisdom. Our value is our ability to birth worlds. Our value is our ability to create and the masculine whether you're in a male body or a female body we all have both we're both king and queen no matter what body we're in and so and and i speak as a queer person i don't identify as any sort of any as any sort of a sexuality um and so i just want to give everyone that context um and our masculine is here to hold our creative power as she is birthing worlds and so the men don't need to birth the world. The men don't need to stress themselves out, give, them, give themselves anxiety disorders, trying to create so much. It's when they're in their feminine, when they're in their receptivity, when they're in their rest, their lusciousness, their, their vibrance, their magnetism that they can actually create. And that's why we don't do this stuff alone. It takes a community. And when some people are more happy, their soul is like, Hey, I'm actually like really happy in my, in my more creative, my receptive, my feminine, my visionary. And some people are like, Hey, no, I love structure and spreadsheets and holding space. Then we build teams and the teams are balanced and everyone's in their power. But if everyone's trying to be a dude creating worlds, it's like, yeah, we're all stressed out. Most of us are on medication and we've got anxiety disorders and cancer rates are high. And and it's just so, it's, it's such a layered <laughs> subject and topic. And it all comes down to the stories that we're believing that aren't our soul stories. They're not our heart speaking. And so if we get still enough, and calm down enough, and feel safe enough to feel our actual bodies. Some people, it's actually really traumatizing to just even feel the sensations in the body. So that's a slow process. If we're privileged enough to not be in actual danger, Mm. then it is our responsibility to start to pave the way to create structures and systems for more people to be out of danger so that we as humanity can can thrive in a system that doesn't just that doesn't just work for rich men
1: (laughs) well said well said preach oh my goodness that was (laughs) uh i love that i love that and i agree with everything i think we always need to work on our programming figure out what's our thoughts you know what are our thoughts and you know what was programmed there do we even agree with the programming are we courageous enough to deprogram ourselves and then create that environment around people in our circle of influence? Uh, you know, are we courageous enough to deal with the potential consequences of what could come from that, from your social circle? And are we able to think short-term, long-term in terms of how our body, our mind, our peace of mind what uh, will eventually benefit from that? There are a lot of things that we are gifted with in terms of our intuition that we don't tap into and there are also a lot of stories they would tell us of that could either hinder us or push us forward so it's uh know, oh, what a fascinating reminder thank you i really appreciate that
0: Oh no <laughs> thank you and i love that i love that you can see it i love that you have a platform to be able to share um how you see and and to be really grounded in it so thank you
1: well, likewise, I mean, we're here because of your amazing platform. And and by the way, make sure you check out our Instagram. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes. She does a great job of really calling people in and, and just, uh, you know, highlighting everything that she said today. I'm, yeah, this is really good. Uh, I'm curious about future research interests as a fellow researcher. Is there, is there anything you want to gain deeper insight into or, the you know, look into further as you are establishing your thought leadership in this field?
0: my my original research was on um kind of adjacent to why there's such a prevalence of injuries in female athletes as compared with male bodied athletes and the narrative the story has been hey we're observing women on their cycles. We're observing women with their Q angles, which is the angle from their hip to their knee. We're observing all of this stuff and differences between women and men. And so here's the conclusion we're coming to. So we've developed a bunch of tests to be able to screen women and athletes in general for injuries. And so that was kind of the world I was living in. But (laughs) then I zoomed out and I said, y'all, We're not asking the right questions. What about the emotional component of injury? We talk about all these forces acting on the body. We've got the shear force, the biomechanical force. We've got the force of gravity. We've got all these forces that we're measuring. I worked in a biomechanics lab. So we had the, the retro reflective markers and we hooked people up to 3D motion capture. We captured all these forces and we had to make sure we were accounting for all these forces. But you know what? There's an emotional force. There's a sheer force that's created by our emotional stress and our anxiety, and you can feel it in your breath. And that's what I want to research. I Right now, uh, especially at uh, University of Virginia, they're doing um, research on what's called the subtle body. It's the electromagnetic electromagnetic field around your physical body that we can't see with the human eye. It's kind of like uh infrared, like you can't see it, but we know it exists. Same with the subtle body. So there's this energetic field around us that uh, has created a magnetic field. Our heartbeat is electric, right? We have electric, we have electricity rolling through our bodies. And we know from batteries that anytime electricity is running through something, it creates a magnetic field. Yeah. So, so just by, but just by logic, we have an, a magnetic field around our bodies and it's measurable. And so that magnetic field is acting on our physical body. Obviously it is, it is absolutely acting on our physical body. What's affecting that magnetic field though, our emotions, our tension in our nervous system is affecting that magnetic field. And that magnetic field is able to be measured. Sometimes it's, it's drained in one spot. And so that's what I want to measure and that impact on on injuries and the, how the body moves and why my hips are tight and why our shoulders are tight and why our livers aren't working well. So that, that is the next frontier. And that's what I am here to just inspire other young researchers, especially to, to look and and help give them the words to convince their, their mentors um, and their, their head of research to, you know, (laughs) slowly start to unwind the stories held by academics. And so as a thought leader, you know, my, 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 I am best in service in inspiring other researchers. And then, you know, when I'm, when I'm an old crow and I'm excited to, to actually, do some research, but right now I'm just so excited to get the word out and to inspire other people who feel called to really do that research. I was in research. I know enough about the research field. I was in academia. I know en- enough about that world to be able to speak to it. I don't want to be in it right now, but I will speak to it and I will help you ask the right questions from a space of ha- being on the ground in the clinical field, working with bodies every single day, I was highly observant, doing my own anecdotal studies, and being able to help you ask the right questions when it comes to what study, what do I want to ask? What do I want to study? How do I want to contribute to the greater body of knowledge? So that's kind of where I exist in the ecosystem of research and, and future research.
1: I have no doubt that you will do all those things and mm-hmm. more. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to remind the audience that everything uh, that references Dr. Letchford is in the show notes. But here we are, have my final question. Now, my final question as always, my mission statement reframed as a question. My mission statement is: Use your difference to make a difference. So, Doctor Letchford, hey, how do you use your difference to make a difference?
0: Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> so, what makes me different is my extraordinary capacity to feel, and to no longer ignore my body. And so that might look weird to people that might be outside the realm of what they're comfortable with. But what I've noticed is as soon as I got courageous enough to really be myself, it inspired other people and they started moving and they started healing and they started meeting themselves anew. And so the way that I'm different, the way that I may have been ostracized or called weird now is actually the goal, the inspiration. And so I just invite anybody who feels like they're the black sheep or they're the weirdo, or they're doing things that are so strange, like work on the part of you to feel safe enough to let go and just trust your, Mm. what you see and who you are. And you'll be surprised it's not going to be easy i promise you you know i went through a lot of suffering of just like fuck everyone thinks i'm so weird and now i'm now you know the story is not that i mean maybe some people think i'm weird but that's great i'm like great. yeah yeah <laughs> these people used to think i'm weird too but now they're yeah. trying to be weirder <laughs>
1: exactly exactly wow that's amazing i really really appreciate you sharing and thank you so much for just you know, really delivering a sermon here. I felt like we went to, to several places, you know, you know, you quoted several parts of your scripture and, <laughs> and you know, you took us to the, pul- the pulpit and then, you, you know, you lay down the law and then you inspired us to look deep within. But I really enjoyed the conversation and I'm, I'm looking forward to the audience finding you and, and engaging with you further. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: The pleasure is mine. Kings, queens, and royalty. Until next time, use your difference